0: To conversations and complexity. Uh, my name is Ross Upshur and I'm the uh, director of the Bridgepoint Collaboratory for Research and Innovation at the Sinai Health System where we're part of the Lunenfeld Tannenbaum Research Institute. I'm also a professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine and in the Dalalana School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. This is the second of two podcasts examining uh, medications, medication use in clinical practice. In this podcast, we're going to look at some proposed solutions to dealing with medication and medication complexity. I'm going to talk a bit about some solutions that I think uh, are helpful. One is uh, at the patient level. So this whole notion of concordance and open discussions with your physician or your pharmacist. So the National Institutes of Health, for example, has put together a list of uh, questions you should ask your uh, physician when a drug is being prescribed. Is it needed? How do we know it's going to work? How often do I have to take it? What are the consequences of missing a dose? Are there any alternatives to uh, taking the medication? And this is important because all medication should be taken uh, with informed consent, which means that you know the uh, consequences of taking the medication, all of the benefits and harms, as well as what alternatives you might have and what would happen to you should you decide not to take the medication at all. So this again requires that we open up sufficient time or create our systems of care where we have sufficient time to have these conversations because I know from our own research and my own practice uh, that uh, medication management is one of the major uh, tasks that um, patients and physicians are engaged in. Oftentimes, it takes quite a bit of time just to renew medications if you're on 10, 12, 15. I think the most medications I've seen a patient on is 39. And we need to create structures that permit physicians and patients to have discussions about the purpose of their medication, how they know it's working, when they know it's not. How would they identify an adverse effect from a medication if they had one? And this means uh, that we need a more time-rich environment, or we need to engage uh, with uh, other allied health professionals like pharmacists to play a role in primary care to aid in managing uh, our medications. And the reason this is important, I'm going to highlight throughout this complexity series that the one thing that we need to manage complexity is more time to think more carefully about what it is we're doing and why. So Bandelier, which is a journal that came out of the uh, Oxford Centre for Evidence-Based Practice for some time, uh, was one of my saddest days when they uh, ceased publication. But they did a little study, uh, a little uh, profile on what patients want to know about adverse effects of medications. And uh, the first point they made is that adverse event information of the required quantity and quality is not available for many medications, and it's certainly not available for older adults or people on complex cr- uh, medication regimes. Second, that uh, given the large number of adverse effects that occur with any medicine, the average family practice consultation would need to be expanded from 10 minutes to an hour or more. Now, this is really uh, an important point to make. One of the things we learned in our uh, clinic where we were taking some of the most complex older adults and trying to figure out a uh, uh, the best kind of care plan for them was that medication issues were... Uh, probably number one or two uh, on the list of things that we had to work with. Sometimes the pharmacist would take an hour to an hour and a half just to get clear which medications the patient was on and why, and then adapt that medication list to the particular learning needs of the patient. Now, most people would then push back and say, oh, my god, we, d- we, we just can't afford that kind of time. And I'm going to argue uh, we can't afford not to take the time. So if we're unclear about the safety and effectiveness of the medications, and if we're going to use medications as the primary manner uh, by which we manage chronic diseases, then we really need to create the space and time to understand uh, medication regimens. So patient level and provider level have a very honest conversation about the need. And I think patients need to be empowered to ask much better questions of of clinicians about why they're on medications. So as someone who's trained you know, hundreds of primary care physicians uh, in medicine, I would often watch uh, interactions because we would watch the interactions because it was a training program. And the patient would come in and say, doctor, why am I on all these medications? And I'll just say, parenthetically, I've had very few patients come in and say to me, Dr. Upsher, I don't think I'm on enough medication. So usually they want to come off. And then you ask the question, what's this medication for? And let's say it's a blood pressure medication. So why should I be on a blood pressure medication? Well, it, risks, it reduces your risk of a heart attack or a stroke. You don't want that to happen, do you? And the patient would say, no well I guess I'd better stay on it then and you go through each of the medications and you get a similar answer but the question to ask is not the in, in reply is well given my age and my constellation of concurrent chronic conditions how much risk reduction will I get from lowering my blood pressure And there we'll have to own up to what the title of that article is. Well, it's uncertain. And how uncertain is it? It could be very uncertain because the direct understanding of many of the effects of these medications on older adults is unclear. So patients asking better questions, clinicians having more time and resources to deal with the medications and the medication issues and that means changing how we configure our uh, care systems. The second thing that we desperately need, and it exists in many other jurisdictions, is a fully functional, up-to-date, electronic medical record that's transports between different uh, locations of care that always has the up-to-date and accurate medication list. One of the things we got interested in was the very nature of medication regimes and lists themselves. I started to think of them as life forms. They have replication, uh, they have errors in transcription, they're just like cellular organisms. Now what do I mean by that? We did some studies where we looked at medication regimens in, in a patient chart. So typically the primary care chart will have on it your medication list. And the question is, is it completely accurate? Is it reconciled? And the answer is, likely not. The second question to ask is, are there other medication lists in my medical record that people might think represent my medication regimen? And the answer to that is probably yes. And uh, in one of our cases, we found nine non-identical medication lists on a patient chart. Now, these would be found in admission to hospital notes or visits to the emergency room or a visit to a specialist. But uh, we found that none of these medication records were identical to each other, which means that clinicians can only make decisions on the basis of the information they have at their disposal. So the reason why we were looking at this case in the first place was, we were asked a question should this patient be on two medications for a particular condition and the answer to the question was simple no they should only be on one of these medications but I thought the more important question was how did this person get on two of these medications in the first place and it turned out that when this patient was admitted to hospital the medication list that, they, that was taken included only five medications Now, the punchline of this story is the patient was actually taking 19 medications. And one of the medications was for a condition that worsened or aggravated while they were in the hospital. So they were put on another medication completely appropriately for the condition. But of course, when they got home, now they're on two. So as we dissected the problem, and as we looked through the chart, we found that the patient was actually on 19 medications, not the five that they were admitted with, and that none of the lists were completely accurate and reconciled. Now, this took us about two hours of work to figure out, one, the phantom medication lists, and two, to find out the complete list, to reconcile it and make it completely accurate and then uh, to make recommendations to the primary care team about which medication should be uh, stopped. Now, all of this, of course, could be prevented and avoided if there were such a thing as a portable record of medications that could be updated at every visit. So often the other thing we found out in our research is that the more prescribers, that is, the more clinicians the patient sees that prescribes medications, the more likely there is to be a transcription error. And oftentimes the change in the medication, say for example, the patient sees a specialist and that specialist increases or decreases a dose or puts another medication on the regimen, but the consultation note takes a few months to get back to the primary care provider. So that change in the medication regimen is not known by the primary care team. And so if we had something which should be achievable, I mean, we all have handheld devices now, Uh, you know, know, iTunes can tell me which music I like that other people like, and uh, there should be some way that we can solve this. I know in certain parts of Europe, they have uh, electronic medication records, which are accessible by any prescriber in the system and they're linked to pharmacy records and they're complete and they're accurate so we really need to get that in Ontario. So that leads us to some system issues so pharmacists and uh, clinicians need to collaborate, Uh, we need to have integrated systems of information transfer, we need to have routine flags for when we should be doing a medication review. Any person that's discharged from a healthcare institution should have their medications reviewed and not just to make sure that they're complete and accurate and reconciled but any what are called potentially inappropriate prescription or high alert medication is flagged and a message given to the uh, uh, primary care physician to address these issues. But the large number of primary care physicians are going to be uh, hard-pressed if they don't have access to expanded Access to trained uh, clinical pharmacists to help them with this. Some of this could take place at a pharmacy, so long yeah. as it's connected to the primary care record. So the meds check program we had uh, have in Ontario doesn't necessitate that a note be sent to the primary care physician that the uh, medication regimen has been changed. And lastly, we need some policy change. We need some policy support to actually invest in research to understand how we best uh, support uh, clinicians in appropriate prescribing. Now, there's been some welcome developments in the uh, last uh, few years, and I'm just going to uh, uh, highlight these in conclusion. So in Canada, there's been the uh, creation of the uh, Canadian Deprescribing Network, or CADEN. And this is a group of uh, multidisciplinary clinicians uh, led by Kara Tannenbaum at McGill and Barb Farrell at the University of Ottawa that does systematic reviews and writes deprescribing algorithms for classes of medications for which the balance of the evidence indicates that at a certain time, uh, the medication is likely not achieving any therapeutic goals. So that's a really important group moving forward. There's the Choosing Wisely initiative, which started in the U.S. with specialty medical uh, groups coming together to get consensus upon uh, what sort of uh, common clinical uh, behaviors that probably ought not to be done. Uh, should be uh, stopped, and the geriatrics group has actually named some classes of medications. So sleeping pills in older adults, for example, is, I think, one where we have very good evidence that they do far more uh, harm than good. There's also some criteria, like the Beers criteria, which puts out a list of medications that have particularly uh, high rates of adverse events, particularly in older adults. And then there's screening tools like the Stop Start uh, screening tool for geriatric medicine prescription. Many of these are tools that could be embedded in primary care practices or in hospitals to allow clinicians to be alert to uh, inappropriate combinations of medications or to get them to sit down and revisit what they think the goals of care are. And the other thing we can do is we can uh, work towards simplifying medication regimens in the first place. So our goal is that the best treatment regimen for a complex patient is the simplest one to achieve the explicitly stated goals of the patient that are agreed upon by their caregivers and their clinicians. I think if we had better communication amongst prescribers, if every physician knew who else was seeing that patient and prescribing, if we had a form of uh, medical record that could be updated, and we had a system of care in place uh, that we would move away from concerns of how many pills, of polypharmacy, to what we would call MOP, you know, medication optimization planning. And uh, I don't think this is a problem that's going to go away anytime soon, but uh, I've seen some bright lights on the horizon indicating uh, that a very important and critical aspect of complex health care is being addressed. Thank you.